we have been to the movies. Uh, we are still like attempting to not like go to like a packed theater, which right. other than Spider-Man and what I guess would have been Scream if we had seen it on the weekend. Um, but we went Monday night and there was, you know, six people in this giant auditorium. So it was back to normal. Yeah, it, it wasn't even that because we went on the weekend and it wasn't even that bad. I mean, it was it was probably double that, like maybe 12, mm-hmm. 13 people, but it wasn't crazy. I was expecting mm-hmm. to feel not great about it. Uh, you know, for health reasons, not for movie reasons. But uh, <laughs> I but hope yeah, you keep bad. some of this in because it just sets the sets the mood. It of does. Like, it does. We face death for something we didn't really have high hopes for. Yeah. What does that say about Ooh, us? Yeah, Dave? we have a problem. <laughs> that's what it says about us. I mean, I think that's you know the perfect segue into starting our episode, Mike, um, okay. about disappointing sequels that happen too late. Uh, mm. Mm. <laughs> there's a theme yes there is a theme yes so all of my emotions feel the same feel the same you don't like where this is going look away look away you're not in my way you're in my path look at that all of my emotions feel the same what a laugh cover your tattoo something she can do Because, you know, the big movie release, one of the few big releases we've had um, on on our show in general uh, for off-screen death. Cause we didn't just, do Spider-Man. Yeah. You know. who, nobody saw that, right? <laughs> the no, only movie no. to make money this year mm-hmm. um, um, is a sequel for Scream. I guess technically Scream 5 at this point. Was it like 11 yes. or 12 years after the last one? So it's been – They're doing their own uh, before uh, trilogy thing where it was uh, – Scream 4 was 11 years after Scream 3 and this one was another 11. Uh, something tells me with the uh, box, office, box office returns in pandemic times, we probably won't wait another 11 years. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not saying if it's good or bad. I'm, I'm making no judgment on the uh, – the, okay. The, <laughs> Uh, you hated this, I bet. Yeah, you, uh, so... You're so, so old, Dave. You're so old. You hate what these punk kids are <laughs> these into. These damn kids. <laughs> Youth! Um, <laughs> I... So, I'm a big fan of the first Scream. I was just talking to Tessa about this in particular, that, like, I don't dislike any of the two, three, or four, but I could not tell you a single thing that happened in any of them. The first one I remember very specifically because it mm-hmm. kind of, you know, it plays on the kind of stereotypes of the genre and it's done by a master director of the slasher in Wes Craven who did Nightmare on Elm Street. So it's like he's really having some fun with this. Uh, I'd say the- it's safe to say it's a modern classic at this yeah, point. Yeah, the yeah. First I think I think that's accurate. Yeah, absolutely. So that one's great. So that one I have like a deep, deep fondness for. Like I absolutely love it. And I saw a trailer for this, and I was like, "Really, we're still, we're still doing this, huh?" And of course, like I'm on Twitter, and like the horror community there is so excited. Oh, scream! Scream's the best thing ever. And there's all these. It's so interesting. There's all these discussions about rankings of the of the other movies, and I'm like so interested in it because I think the first one is great, and the rest are completely interchangeable. Mm. Uh, but they that's where like, I disagree with you. Okay. I'm I'm a I'm a, a staunch one and two guy. I love mm. one and two, which they, you know, it was ninety six and ninety seven. They, I mean, they they turned around a sequel. Uh, you know, the, yeah, the, the Weinstein brothers chased that dollar and they got something out. Yeah, there I guess I kind of remember it. Like Randy also has the like rules of the sequels, and that's mm-hmm. there's some fun stuff in there. Yeah, sure. I will agree with you though that 
even though the third one was not that far removed, I think it came out in February 2000. So normal sequel time period, a normal gap, not 11 years, um, which, you know, Scream 4 and 5 both are playing with that since they all these fucking kids love to talk <laughs> about movies and, you know, they... I don't know. I don't know why anyone would do that, Dave. I don't know. Yeah, who would any, talk any about length. movies? God, <laughs> but, do something with your spare time. <laughs> if any franchise was set up to sort of poke fun of itself, uh, sure. this one was. This one does that. I do think, uh, and I'm going to ask. So, did you go back to any of this, or did you just treat this as a scream? I remember enjoying right. the that first yeah, one that. 25 years I, ago. Okay, I did, I did not, not rewatch I watched them. All of them in the span of a week. Like we have flipped. This is that sounds like a Dave <laughs> stupid decision. Why would you do that? <laughs> you don't even like horror movies. What is happening? I um, I, I was talking with Maynard about this on uh, projecting film because he actually said, "No, no, no, no. Go back and check out uh, Scream Three. Like it ages better because." Um, and is that the one Timothy Oliphant is in? That's two. That's two. two. Oh, see, two is good then. Good. That's... There, there is a. Uh, I, I'm not. You know, this is all subjective, right? I'm saying I'm a one and two guy, but I do think objectively you can look at the casts of three and four and be like, well, that didn't really work out. Yeah. <laughs> like boop, one boop, and two, boop. you know, you do have some stars that popped out of it. Uh, my co-host on Sober Cinema, Hyro, would say that Skeet Ulrich is one of those stars because he was. Uh. We recently did scream on that on that show, and he was obsessed with him. I think that the world at large would say that that didn't quite work out the way it was. Intended. Yeah, I mean, he was in action movies with Cuba Gooding Jr. I mean, how could you go wrong? Is there one about like an ice cream truck? Yeah, is that, that is referencing? correct. Uh, the movie we're talking about is Chill Factor. Yes, that is the <laughs> name of it. And I, I saw that I the... opening night at midnight. I was very excited. What the uh, fuck? I, oh man, you just lost all credibility picking I on know. Scream fans. <laughs> I also I got like the, Orange, uh, the I guess the Johnny Depp's face. That's good. And uh, you know he he set up poor Greg Kinnear to get beat up and as good as it gets. That's how I remember him. Uh, yes, old that's true. Punk kid. Um, so <laughs> he he told me no watch Scream Three because it touches on um, a lot of the happenings of uh, the the Weinstein's um, mm, with the sort of casting couch stuff. And there certainly is that. I don't think it elevates it i don't think it's particularly hard hitting um but i was just curious because i i watched scream 4 midnight in 2011 and i found myself unlike you questioning my life choices uh i'm hoping chill factor you know had the same oh yeah <laughs> ramifications for definitely you. <laughs> like ooh, what am i doing i need to i need to be a little more selective uh with the movies that i watch but it may have done a disservice to this this new film. Um, I mean, it kind of plays with how long it's been, right? Like, I don't, you know, watching all of them together, uh, Scream Three is probably the one that sticks out because they do they take it to Hollywood, and it's. Mm. I mean, there's a cameo yeah. of Jay and Silent Bob for God's sake. So, yeah, um, I forgot about that. Jesus <laughs> but but Scream Four and Five. To me, they don't seem to have any discernible difference, and I'm not. I'm going to avoid spoilers here because, as you said, this is our biggest, you know, like newest thing we've had on the show. Um, but the killers' objectives pretty much seem 
yeah. the same. Yeah. Um, it's the, the whole, like, it's been a while since you saw the, the old gang together. And it's interesting that this one took and Scream 4 did not. Because I, I do think, standing back from it, it's like, I don't really see difference it's like the meme like the you know it's the same picture it's the like, same from the picture yeah yeah, exactly. yeah that's yeah. how i felt with scream four and five they're they're entertaining i don't think 11 years from now i'm gonna have any better chance of remembering the plot of scream five just like scream four i would have to revisit it if there's yeah. a scream six but it, we won't wait that long they, shockingly they won't make us. shockingly with your lukewarm review of this you are much more positive on it than i am i really didn't like it like i, I mm. thought it was it was actively a bad movie um, not that it was poorly acted. I thought it was horribly written. Uh, David I think Arquette just didn't bring it for you. Like he actually, he's the, part part. Part. he's the best part. He's <laughs> he, the best part. He's the best part of the movie. He is the best part. By far, that, which is <laughs> damning with fake praise. I'm aware. Cause there's a lot of bad performances here. Um, but here's the thing. Telling everyone about like how bad things are doesn't mean your movie isn't bad. Like, there's all these references to, like, well, you can't act like this, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. And the movie is actively doing all those things. Mm. But they're like, we're calling it out, so you can't you can't come after us. That's like uh, someone on the internet going, like, I already said I was sexist. You can't call me sexist. Like, it's like, I've already said it, mm-hmm. so I got to the joke before you did, so I'm clearly smarter than you. Like, that's what this movie felt like to me. Like, it just it felt like a little too clever for its own good without any kind of work to actually get there and to actually prove that fact. It was a rough watch it- for me kept taking me out of the movie every time they would start on this these these bullshit monologues about the, oh, the rules of it and it's i understand that that that's the sort of the key element of what made uh, the first one uh, a success not uh, strangely like when we covered it on sober cinema uh, it opened like in seventh or eighth place like this was yeah, like an yeah. old-fashioned word of mouth type thing uh, i think the difference the- is you like those kids in the first one, like I don't, I didn't feel any care for this group of teenagers. Maybe I'm just getting old and angry, uh, but I was like, I don't care about any of these kids. Who gives a shit? But like well, Matthew Lillard, Rose McGowan, Nev Campbell, like I liked all of them. Like their interactions were fun, even without it being in a horror movie. I was like, I would watch a like a high school coming of age story with these characters and have a good and time. By God, Matthew Lillard had a career because of that. Yeah. <laughs> I will appear in every <laughs> teen <laughs> romance from so ninety six. Six to two thousand. So true. Um, it did make me feel feel old in that regard, Dave. Uh, you know, like the uh, to go with another meme, the uh, the sort of Principal Skinner thing from yes, yes, from Simpsons, where I'm like, <laughs> I used to like Scream, but I was a teenager, and now I don't. Is it yes. just you know, it's time to to put away childish things? Is it me? No, the children are wrong. Right. <laughs> um, I did feel like, especially when you mainline uh, all five parts in like a matter of five days. Um, if there were any, uh, criticisms of the first scream for being a little too cheeky about like, we know we're in a movie, um, watch, watch the whole series. And then you're like, oh, those are actually like grounded characters. Yes. You have the video store clerk who can go on a bit, but there are discernible differences and sort of types within this little social circle. Biggest problem I have with scream five is I didn't really feel like there was any differences between any of this, these new group of kids. Like they Say one of them is like supposed to be the new Randy, uh, which is the uh, the girl, the sister to the jock, I guess. But the jock, <laughs> the jock to me didn't really seem that much different from, from her. They all seem to be, and 
you can do something interesting with that. Like this younger generation, maybe all of them are hyper aware and like uh, they, they have access to pop culture. So you don't have the video store clerk who has to spend hours like pursuing and chasing things down. And then he gets to be the kid at school, the expert about whatever his particular hobby, all of them are in the know. All of them have everything in their pocket on their phones. I don't think they really toy with that at all. I actually just think it's kind of poor writing just to have all the characters speak in the same screenwriter's voice. That, I mean, right. that was my take on it. Yeah. Uh, here's the the biggest insult I can throw at this movie. No one had the charisma of Jamie Kennedy. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I felt... Uh... Mildly racist again. I just released our Eternals episode because it came to Disney Plus. Let me tell you, that is our worst performing episode <laughs> of all time. Like, and I thought, you know, maybe you spend the first almost fifty episodes bashing Marvel movies, and then when like, you put I'm one not out, listening to this, <laughs> you don't really have an audience that wants to hear you gripe about it. Which you know what? I looked at those numbers, Dave, and I said, "Good, all right, good. We can, that means we I can don't have to worry all this. about Spider Man um, or Moon Knight no. or whatever nonsense is coming out from <laughs> Jesus. Marvel." <laughs> but on that episode i sort of attacked the diversity initiative only in the sense that i felt like we were holding people of color uh when they're uh, participating in something creative to uh act with a certain degree of kindness uh to their characters so these awful fucking characters that we wouldn't expect of a straight white guy um i did feel a little bit racist this time in the sense that one of the characters i was like i recognize this person like a manson family member from once upon a time in hollywood she was really uh, is she is she playing the same part as she did in that like she's sort of hyper aggressive and just uh even in the the early scenes where she's like your sister's coming to town i'm like whoa 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 settle down here like we're just we're all friends here um it's a lot i other than that though dave I was giving the film the benefit of the doubt of like, I don't know who any of these actors are, but maybe they mean something to this generation. I don't think that the original cast necessarily did at the time. No. But I had that sneaking suspicion that it seems like you agree with them. Like, I don't think this new generation can cut it. I don't no, think they can, they can bad. hang on to the, the jock of Jamie Candy and Matthew Lillard, those esteemed actors. <laughs> How sad is that? It's like, oh, uh, yeah. I I walked into it fully expecting to have an enjoyably bad time. Like, oh, this is silly, over the top, but I can get into it. And I just, I never really got into it. Like, and, you know, they made clear in the trailers that they're bringing back these legacy characters, but they're in it for like five minutes. There's like almost no point to them being there. Like, it's just, it's just kind of a rough sit. And it's almost like they knew because the kills in this movie, and I'm sure you noticed this, having just watched the other four, are mm-hmm. a lot more brutal in this one. Mm-hmm. It's like they knew they had to grab your attention with something because the script ain't going to do it. The acting isn't going to do it. So we're going to gut people like fishes every five minutes in this movie to keep you engaged. That felt like the uh, the new uh, Halloween effect that David yeah. Gordon Green. I felt that was the influence they were taking there. Agreed. Uh, since you mentioned the horror community earlier, at least the the social media presence of these these freaks, uh, is there a difference between the ones that were excited for uh, the new Halloween trilogy and this? Is it because the age gap? There should be like a, a distinct generational gap, right, of twenty years almost yeah. between the two. But I don't know if 
now? Is there one, or is that just one big? I just like four movies. It's one big group of okay. freaks. Uh, and I think because both of those movies, the first Halloween and the first Scream, are classics of the genre of the same even mini mm-hmm. genre of the slasher. So you're going to have a lot of crossover there, and and you're going to have a lot of really strong opinions and you get a lot of that and the movie does try to play with that like audience reaction to things without giving too much away uh and i think they kind of fumble that part too and make it a little too obvious like it just i really wanted to like it and i man i had a rough time with this movie i wish when they're mentioning all these rules that there was if the characters and you know like i said no spoilers but uh, they they really lean into that this is a uh, murder mystery uh, that they acknowledged it is like I think the poster even says like one of these people is the killer and they have a scene where it's like one of us in the room is the killer and they're always kind of joking like oh, maybe you're the killer maybe you're the killer uh, I don't remember that as much and I mean the way it was played in the you know the the Craven stuff the boyfriend was with the gen- like that was it was a genuine there. reaction of fear uh, there wasn't right. this like hee hee maybe you're the one that just gutted people I love and care for that sort of thing. <laughs> Um, Always didn't really appreciate that. That's, didn't really like yeah. that sort of jaded quality of the younger generation. Agreed. Uh, but I was on the the way home. I was uh, talking to my wife, and she also. I mean, she was just saying they. She's droned on too long. I think she felt it was like a lot of monologuing. Us recording, and she's like, "It sounds like you and Dave, like just like Jesus, just <laughs> the cut deepest this down. cut." Oh, <laughs> thanks, Brittany. Jesus Christ. <laughs> But I posited, I'm like, you know, for a film that keeps shoving the rules in your face and seemingly characters who are participating in these these games of, of death that they've learned from slasher films, uh, wouldn't it be neat if they, you know, the opening kill had been um, the killer? Because I don't think it's a spoiler to say that the killer doesn't actually kill anyone in this version's opening scene. There's a, a survivor. I thought... I kept waiting for those type of twists. I was like, okay, there's right. always two killers. Uh, there's always an opening kill. Um, if there's two killers, you can get rid of one in the second act or the opening scene. Right. Whatever you want to do, you can play with it. You can have Ghostface die, but that doesn't mean that the the adventure's yeah. over. But they don't. They, they don't do any of that. They don't do any of that. Like it's just it's just not a very clever movie. And if you're gonna make a fifth movie in a sequence, like eh, you gotta be you gotta be clever. You gotta do something interesting. Um, and I feel like it thinks it has a lot of interesting things on its mind, but it really doesn't. Much like Blade Runner 2049. Oh, uh, okay. Just, uh, just like um, that. <laughs> excuse my taps, uh, Editor Dave, uh, because I uh, watched this one a couple weeks ago uh, on HBO. I definitely didn't want to have to pay for it. so I also watched uh, it on HBO Max. While it was available, I made sure to, to get a jump on it early. And uh, yeah, the little IMDb summary doesn't really tell me anything it's basically a, <laughs> a trailer of what happened in blade runner i had seen this before we had done we did a podcast for this yeah, i believe on did. marcus played and i thought okay this time around i'm gonna have a, a greater understanding of the plot <laughs> mechanics not really as when when jared leto comes up uh, and starts monologuing God. the same thing happened dave i started to zone out i zoned yeah, out in the yeah. theater and i zoned here's, out at home here's the thing here's what i realized because uh, a lot of people love this movie. Like, this is the, this is the movie people bring up and be like, see, this is why cinema sucks now, because nobody saw Blade Runner 2049, and it failed in the movie theaters. And I had a realization as I was watching this, as I was like, I feel about this movie like a lot of people I know feel about the original Blade Runner. Because I love the original Blade Runner. I think it's mm. amazing. And a lot of people that I know are like, man, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of cool to look at. 
I like Harrison Ford, but it's just kind of boring. And that's how I feel about 2049, is that it's stunning to look at. Amazing. I love Ryan Gosling. I think he's great. Harrison Ford makes great a reappearance here. set pieces. Great, great Very set cool. pieces. Great visuals. Wonderful. And then about 40 minutes into this movie, I'm like, ah, do I give a shit? Like, do I, do I care? <laughs> do I care about how pretty this is anymore? And, like, it's interesting. One of the things that gets the most play about this movie is the sound design because it's so goddamn loud. I actually don't like the sound design in this movie at all. I think it's like it's the same sound over and over again. It's what everyone mm. makes fun of Christopher Nolan for. Uh, and things like Inception, but like even at even higher decibels. And I'm just sitting here like, I know I'm supposed to care right now. I'm supposed to care about this guy, whether he's a replicant or not, and whether these memories are real. I'm supposed to care about this. I'm supposed to care about how this wraps up with this lady in the plastic box. Like I just, and like even near the end of the movie, as I'm watching, as the movie's wrapping up, I'm like, wow, I really don't care. Like I don't care about any of these characters at all. All I care about is how good this looks. And yeah, film's a visual medium. You need that beauty. You need something striking. But I also need something to pull me in and hold me there. And there's just not much there for me. Like, I think actually, I think I love Ryan Gosling, but I think he's like wildly miscast in this movie. Because I think he's supposed to be like kind of a noir hero. Um, and he just plays it like he's dead inside um, the whole movie. And I'm like, I need something to pull me in here. And that's supposed to be you. And Harrison Ford is kind of the perfect in-between for that, because in the original, he is also a noir detective, essentially, but he's got enough of an edge that it makes me want to follow him, where Gosling's character here is just kind of pitiful, and I'm like, I don't really care what happens to yeah. him. Ford is a, I mean, his, I don't know, personally, I mean, probably, but uh, even even his screen persona, he's a notorious grouch. He's, he's a grouch. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, there's definitely a certain edge to, like, why do I have to be doing this uh, to his <laughs> his version of a Blade Runner. That's, that, and that's uh, why Gosling I love it. This movie just shows up in a in an undershirt. Like, he's just like, eh, you know, I just wore my clothes to the set today. Who's going to tell me to change? Like, it's... There, uh, I mean, you know, I mentioned the set pieces. There's one with uh, the lovely Mackenzie Davis uh, participating in a threesome with a yep. holographic uh, dream girl that uh, they get to share the same, same body. Stunning, yeah. Of course it was, Dave. I'm, I was yeah. all in on the. I lean forward to be like, how? So how does this work exactly? Like, yeah, can this... I live long enough to see this future? <laughs> <laughs> Will this happen for me? <laughs> but also, like beautiful to look at again but was there any passion was there any like besides your own was there any excitement in that scene there's a lot of heat feel... dave was i was there? bringing it like, to the screen i, I mean you were <laughs> me but like okay that makes sense but like the actual scene i'm like i should be way more into this than i am like if you just put on paper okay this is what's gonna happen we're gonna combine anna de harmas and Mackenzie davis and then have them have a threesome with ryan gosling i'm like well, here's the money. That sounds great. And then I watch it and I'm like, yeah, that's nice, I guess. I wish there was more of this, but uh, it's just See, kind I, of as a, as, there. As a heightist, I was trying to figure out because uh, Miss Darmus is – you know, a little petite, and Mackenzie Davis is tall. So I was, I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to get into the weeds. That's exactly. <laughs> how does this work? Back. His legs extend. Where does the? How does this? Yeah, this very, you know, pretty Inspector Gadget type sex scene that we're <laughs> involved in. Here. I like this better. See, that has more heat already. That's exciting. 
I wondered, uh, I'll ask you, Dave, because I can't figure it out for myself. Okay. Um, I was distracted, as our listeners now know. Oh, yes. Um, but I, like you, I liked Blade Runner. I'm not the, the biggest fan of it. Like, I saw it as a teenager, thought it was really cool, but I have to admit, as an adult, maybe I've revisited it once, mm-hmm. uh, probably for a podcast. Um, sure, that's, sure. that's about it. Um, but Dune... Same director. I have, <laughs> I, I am at an arm's length or more from the source material. Like, I don't Way want more. any. Way I, more. I saw Beetlejuice. I don't need this. You, you were know, the a sandworms. Sandworms like. <laughs> yeah. the yes. Material. Yes. 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 <laughs> so that comes out. I refuse to see it in theaters because I'm like, well, I'm not going to like it. And then I watched it at home and I was, I was into it. I was driven. I told you, I was like, I loved it. And I don't know why. Yeah. I watched this one a few months after that. And I'm like, okay, visually just as cool, using a famous geek property here, like kind of playing to like the, the super fans. This one has what I perceive to be movie stars. It has a very lovely woman in this, this sequence that I'm, I'm still going back and revisiting. Dune does not. I don't think, I don't, I'm trying to think, is there any sex in Dune? I don't think so. Uh, no, there may be in part two, but not in this All right, one. good, good. But yeah. See how I'm pulling what you was into it about the sequel, Dune? Mike? This is- yeah. But what was it about Dune that I feel like stylistically, stylistically they're very similar. And I think both you and I were very high on Dune. Oh, yeah. And not so right. much on this. What, so what do you think? What is it? What, what's going on here? Uh, I, think, I think the story itself is bigger um, than this. This is actually a very small story. It's about, it's about one protagonist kind of working his way through memory and trying to figure some stuff out. Um, and that protagonist is boring as fuck. Um, so it's like, you're just sitting there waiting for something to happen. Whereas Dune, it's like literally planet sized, uh, political intrigue and coming of age and prophecy. I mean, it's big, it's epic in every way, Hmm. whether you're talking about the music, the size of the film, the story itself, this is like, it's, it's actually, God, I hate that I'm bringing this up, but it's the thing I complain about in those other properties like Star Wars, right? Where we rehash the same family, right? So you have this gigantic world and you just insist on making it smaller. And that's what this did. Like, of course, like, and I love Harrison Ford, but of course we got to go see Deckard and we, we got to bring back Sean Young and we got it. Like what? There's so many stories you could tell in this universe from the, from the perspective of a quote unquote Blade Runner. But instead we're going again back in time and taking a look at grumpy old Harrison Ford in in <laughs> like you know in this in this land that no one can live in except Harrison Ford because he's his grumpiness just destroys any toxins that could possibly come in to his system. Wasting like, his stash of little? bourbon, right? <laughs> and like your dog, wrap this up. But when off it comes the floor. down to it, why are we making it small? This is a huge, huge world. And mm. when I when I first watched it, when you have that introduction, um. And you get introduced to this, you know, this whole subplot of maybe a pregnancy. And I was like, wow, this is going to be great. This is going to be so much fun. It's going to be different. It's going to be big. It's going to be bold. And then it just proceeds to shrink as the movie gets longer and longer and longer. And I was just like, there's so many opportunities here. And none of these characters are particularly interesting. And it was why I was really actually worried about watching Dune is that I really like Villeneuve as a director, but like, 
maybe he just doesn't do humans real well. Like, <laughs> just that's not his focus. So I was kind of worried because there's a lot of difficult characters, especially female characters in Dune. But I thought he did a wonderful job there. But here, he leans on the star power of Gosling, but it's just, it's the wrong role for him. Uh, the only thing I love about this movie, Mike, is something I know that happened behind the scenes, is that Harrison Ford accidentally <laughs> punched Ryan Gosling in the face. That's fucking funny, and they should have kept it in the movie. I would have watched, like, the surprise. <laughs> the uh, That would have been a motion from Ryan Gosling's the, character. The still the image one. that was passed around <laughs> Twitter was, was hilarious. The, uh, the sort of, oh shit, face Ooh. of Harrison Ford. And, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, oh god, yeah. I made contact, yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. other than that, it's so interesting to me because a lot of cinephiles absolutely adore this movie. And if you ask me, like, tell me something about this movie or tell me a memorable scene, I don't know that I could think of one. Like, the whole movie itself is beautiful to look at. But are there any particular scenes for you that you're like, yeah, that's the thing I remember from this movie? Or does it all kind of blend together? It can't be the fail. Anything with failed Joker. Uh, that's, that's out. Oh. So unfortunately for, for God, Sean he Young, sucks. Um, and you know, the, the CGI Sean Young, uh, can't, can't do that. Um, you know, Robin Wright talking shit. I kind of like, yeah, um, yeah. but she unfortunately like that's only good... the whole movie. She might be the best part. Um, yeah, you know, and uh, cause the other one sticks out is that uh, when she like propositions Ryan Gosling, <laughs> like, Hey, you know, you robot, show me what you got. You want, you, you want done. to like, um <laughs> uh, so i mean it's got a great cast i did the uh failed joker's uh right hand i guess uh assassin choice uh middle manager the fight scene i guess uh flying over the ocean or whatever mm, um yeah. the, the lighting of that it's just really cool yeah um but it is something that you know it works better for me it's like a demo of a really nice television set at Best Buy more so right, than is right. like the, the finality of the film, like the, the climax, See, I guess. And I, and I like that character, but she's also, she's, she's in a tough spot because easily the best part of a very good movie in the original Blade Runner is Roy Batty um, is mm, the villain. Mm-hmm. Like he is, and it's so well written and so beautiful by the end that like, you're never really going to live up to that. And like the bad guys here are just kind of boring. Like, they're just, they're not that interesting. I don't really care what happens to them. Whereas by the end of the first Blade Runner, Roy, you're like, you're genuinely sad for him. Which is pretty impressive when he's, like, choking out your protagonist and deciding well, whether he lives or dies. He seems far more human than yes, our, yes. what we perceive to be our, our human. Mike, lead. do you mean he's more human than human? Oh, there we go. Editor yeah. Dave, make a note. <laughs> play, play us out <laughs> on that. I wanted to take your task a little bit because having podcasted with you on this, this very film, uh, did you have expectations that maybe you would warm to it? Like maybe you were too I hard really, on it? I, this is – believe it or not, Mike, this is like – this is an Alien 3 level thing for me. Listeners to our old, our other podcast, a podcast directed by – remember my detesting of that movie and yet mm. I keep watching it. This one's getting to that level where I keep thinking it's and and like to be clear, there are things I like about this movie. Like I think I gave it two and a half or three stars on Letterboxd. Like I, I like it as a movie. It just it's just everyone loves it. So I come off like very negative. This is the fourth time I've watched it, and I always wait for it to get better. And it doesn't get worse, but it just kind of stays the same. That kind mm. of middle ground. 
that's a nice thing to put on in the background as long as I don't have to try to follow any of this nonsense that's happening in front of me. <laughs> it is a beautiful – like if you want to test out your 4K system, if you want to test out your surround sound, this is a perfect choice. But like as a movie – like. I, I've started to look at it from this perspective because now I'm dating someone who's like a normal human being when it comes to movies, mm. like doesn't mm-hmm. watch everything. answer every... for your sins. Yeah. And then I'm like, do I want to show her this? And the answer is fucking absolutely not. Like <laughs> there's a reason why this failed and it's not because people hate cinema. It's because this is overlong and mostly boring but beautiful to look at. Well, how do you put, sell Put that on like the how, poster. How do you, how do you sell – you know, cult classic, uh, well-regarded IP in film circles, Blade Runner. But how how do you sell it? And so, a film that I uh, watched. I don't think you and know, I've talked about it. It's a Nightmare Alley uh, that I saw. Mm-hmm. Oh, we haven't <laughs> talked about that. Yeah. Um, I saw it over the holidays because, unfortunately, for Del Toro and Bradley Cooper and company, uh, the theater was empty, so I felt safe enough <laughs> going to see yeah, Nightmare yeah, Alley well. during the Christmas break. <laughs> Um, it is coming to, uh, I think, Hulu as quickly as possible, like the end of the month or February 1st or something. Oh, nice. Uh, Hulu and HBO, I think. Uh, so maybe we could schedule an episode for that. Oh, I, yeah. I'd love I that. actually like – I was a big fan of it. And wow. I didn't feel like okay. That got that's exciting. I, I liked it a lot online. too. It's it's okay. actually like in my top 15 of the year. Like I think it's really, really good and got a lot of negative reaction from a lot of people mm-hmm. I saw. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what I was it seeing. might be my favorite Bradley Cooper performance. Like, I, I think oh, it's, he's, he's great. legit. Love it. He's very, very good. Yeah. I want to see this black and white version that you and I will not get in Lexington, Kentucky, which pains me because I don't know if you've looked at the theater showings with everything abandoning ship. They're just putting, like, you want to see Venom again? We'll put it yeah, back. Yeah, they're bringing Venom back, some fucking anime cartoon. Yeah, sure, you can watch that. I'm like, give me. I mean, okay, they're running a business. No one watched it in color. Why does anyone watch Nightmare Alley in black and white? But, you know, if if, if Hulu would give me the option, I probably would check out the black and white version. Just, you know. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, those are things that I come out of and I'm like, yeah, I can see why you didn't pull an audience. Because I thought the trailer was terrible for that. Like, the trailer really didn't sell you on any sort of story. It was just like the director of Shape of Water. Here's Bradley Cooper and some other actors you like. Is yeah. it a monster? You like it Del Toro? Like were, Here you go, motherfuckers. It Here it is. It seemed like they were Which selling a monster. Me, but. Right. <laughs> but they're selling the general public a monster movie that it's it's a different type of monster movie. But yes. they knew they didn't yes. have the goods and the trailer didn't have any visual footage like to show them the, even a hint of the goods they did not have. That's something where I come out of it and I'm like, I really dug it. But I understand why I didn't find an audience. And even if it did, I don't know if people right. would dig it because it's kind of a downer. But the yes. people that love – Blade Runner 2049, they're, they're just like incensed that people didn't get it. And it's like sometimes these things can just be hyper-specific to a very select crowd yeah, and just be happy, mean, happy you were there. Just be happy that yeah, you got it. Yeah, there's, there's so many movies that I really love that I feel like I still have the awareness to walk out of and go like, oh, yeah, that's not going to do well. Like no one's going to want to see that. I know that my tastes are hyper-specific and all of our tastes are, right? The things that appeal to us, we can at least see like, okay – I could see how this could transfer to major audiences, right? Blade Runner 2049 is not that movie. I mean, that's like, I don't know. That's like me watching, you know, like 
you know, as we've talked about, a movie you refuse to watch, Mirror, Mike Tarkovsky, and going, I don't know why we don't re-release this. This would be a giant hit. Like, no, it's not. It's a fucking art film. Like, just will you chill out? Not everyone wants to see that. Some people want to see, I don't know, fun. Like, <laughs> so the goal for me is always to find movies that that kind of thread that needle, right? that are really good movies, but are also entertaining for normal human beings. Uh, Blade Runner 2049, not for normal human beings. And honestly, neither is the first Blade Runner. Neither one of them are for normal humans. Like, this is for cinephiles. This is for, and not only that, like, hyper-focused on sci-fi cinephiles. Like, this this should be your catnip. Not a slasher movie. And that's movie. fine. Right. Right. Broader audience. And, you know. Yep. Uh, the most uh, I'll just extend the uh, you know the the olive branch to the Blade Runner fans. The most I'll grant you is maybe the timing just wasn't <laughs> wasn't right. I don't know when that would have been. The only <laughs> thing I can point to is Scream Four was not a runaway success, and to me, it's like okay, they just came out with the same thing eleven years later, and for whatever reason, it <laughs> and hit. now they made money this time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't Absolutely. know. I don't know. Yep, yep, but definitely. probably not. <laughs> there probably uh, was not a time for Blade Runner 2049. So, so which one's better, Mike? Scream 5 or Blade Runner 2049? Uh, I mean, Scream 5 does go down easier. Um, yes. But is there is there anything like that uh, digital threesome with my, my no. height challenge? No. There is not. There's nothing in there. There's not. I'm not getting out the measuring tape for Scream 5. That's for a good point. Reasons. That's yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, I agree. I, I'm gonna the hot take Blade Runner 2049, a slightly better movie than Scream 5. That's where we're at. <laughs> now we've just pissed off everyone that clicked on this. Yay, I don't like the other movie, but I really like that one. Well, we hate both. How about that? <laughs> I'm gonna shit on both these movies you like. <laughs> <sighs> Next week, Dave, we're gonna what are we doing? Go, uh. Going to fucking Shakespeare, my man. I I have selected uh, the oh, that's right, yes, yes, two thousand yes. version of Hamlet starring Ethan Hawke when digital camcorders were all the all the rage. <laughs> they so really you will were. not be getting a, you will not be getting a visual feast with the older film uh, that did not score so highly on Rotten Tomatoes. Where where does Blade Runner? I was going to ask you Blade Runner twenty forty nine. What sort of lists has it made? Because I, uh, I had it, it on. It was only on the like a thousand and one films to see before you die list. Mm. It was a late addition to that, which I knew it would be because cinephiles, you know, just lost mm. their mind over it. So you know it's going to come up. It's it's going to be like, oh, this misunderstood classic that no one saw in the theater. Mm. Blah blah blah. But the new film, which is you know we're going to be at least a week late on because uh, scheduling new releases now. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Nightmare. It's going to go. Nightmare. Uh, yeah, we're going to do the uh, – not the Cohen brothers, but one. Just one, one Cohen. Cohen. You only Doing need Macbeth one, Mike. With Denzel Strangely Washington enough, and Francis McDormand. Uh, just watched that movie last night. So can't I started it last weekend and stopped because my wife could not decide if she would be in or not. She's like, oh. and do you, she's like, do you have to record on this soon? I'm like, well, no, next week. She's like, okay, give me – she's taking a week to Give think me a couple about. days. <laughs> If she actually wants to, and what I'm saying is, it's probably not going to be a spoiler to say that I will watch this by myself. She will probably, yeah, yeah, that's officially come around saying, nah, I'm, I'm good. So yes, absolutely. But Hamlet, already watched Dave. I watched it on Hoopla. Use the library card. (laughs) 
Do what you got. But do. I own a copy of it. I have a DVD behind me. I was just too lazy to get so up and put it in the before, DVD player. Before we close this <laughs> up, I have a question for you. If okay. Mel Gibson was not like a raging alcoholic, mm. sexist, racist, would we mm. be watching that version of Hamlet instead of Ethan Hawke? No, 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 no. Ethan Hawke's my guy. No, that's my Hamlet. So, all right, yeah. can't wait to talk Moon Knight with you when that comes out. <laughs> <then>. <laughs>